I cannot bring hunger to you. So if you want to get an industry and you want to be great at your game, you've got to bring hunger. You've got to bring that to the table. And if you bring that, then I can train you and I can teach you. But you've got to ask yourself, and I had a conversation with someone the other day, do you really want to be in this business? Are you hungry? Do you want to be great? Do you want to do great things? You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate to discover the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Elevate podcast producer Cass Charlesworth, and I'm thrilled to be hosting today's show. My guest today is the area top selling agent in South Australia and Ray White Port Adelaide principal, Nick Saras. A prolific award winner, Nick has been with the Ray White Network for more than 15 years. Welcome to the show, Nick. Great to be on, uh, Kaz. Thank you for joining us today. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what's been going on in Adelaide. I follow this market quite closely and you've had a very, very interesting 2021 in Adelaide. What's, what are some of the trends that you've been seeing? Uh, we're seeing a lot of interstate migration. A lot of Melbourneites that have moved to Adelaide. I guess I was reading an article only last week, Kaz, and I was amazed when I read that over 100,000 Victorians left Victoria last year. 100,000 families got up and left. Quite a few went up to Queensland. That's why they're experiencing a boom. And quite a few uh, came to Adelaide, South Australia. So we saw and not only Victorians, but also from Sydney and Brisbane and all parts of Australia. So last year we had a boom. And literally we had a boom. The market was super hot. So when the market is hot like that, what, are, what is drawing people to South Australia? Uh, look, I think people have realised that South Australia is a beautiful state. It's, uh, it was mentioned a number of times that it was the third best city in the world to live in. Uh, I think it's number one best city in the world. <laughs> Got beautiful beaches, beautiful wineries, the hill region, easy to get around. It's just a great place. And the prices are still affordable for many people. Yeah. Are you seeing those prices beginning to rise at this point? Around about 20% last year. Excellent. Another trend that we've seen in Adelaide, I think, over the past year has been auctions. And I know that you are an agent who has used the auction method for a while. So what have you seen in terms of Adelaide residents and others beginning to accept the auction method of sale? Mm. Yeah, I do a lot of auctions. Um, and the reason being is because in a competitive market, you know you're going to get good competition on a property. So why settle for private treaty uh, or expression of interest? You might as well just go to the market auction and allow the buyer to decide what the property is worth. It was last year. It was a certain property that I took to the market, uh, number seven, Selkirk Avenue in Seaton. So that one there, we put a price of six ninety eight uh, on it. I did my research looking at historical data. I always look at what is actually happening in the suburb. And uh, we were looking at similar properties that have sold in the six, low to mid sixes. So I thought, look, the market is high, it's pretty good. Why don't we put a 698 reserve uh, on the property and just run it to auction? The first day of an inspection, I got a 720 offer. Uh, the vendors were happy with that. And I said, look, let's take it. I said, no, we're not going to take it. And I said, why not? 
And I said, we have such good interest in the property, it would be crazy to take a 720. I said, let's have another open and see what we can get. Second open, I ended up with a $780,000 offer. And the vendor said, we're going to take it. I said, no, we're not. <laughs> and I said, why would you want to take it when I've got so many people that are actually registering and telling me they're going to be at auction? On the third open, we ended up with an 820 offer, which was insane. And again, I want to take the offer. Uh, the, the purchaser, and the, I found that the purchasers are getting a little bit cheeky too. They put a 48-hour clause on it and they said, look, come Friday, if you haven't accepted my offer, then it doesn't exist. I'm not going to be at auction. So we're starting to deal with a lot of uh, forceful buyers that are wanting to uh, threaten that they're not going to be there. They're going to remove their offer and uh, don't count me in on the day if you, if you go to auction. So uh, I've been there before and I just knew that uh, it's just one of the things you've got to auction, you've got to just stay the course. Even though there are times where you might consider taking an offer, it might be the best interest of the vendors, but you've got to weigh that up and you've got to know what you're doing. But I just spoke to the buyer and I said, well, thank you so much for your offer. The vendors have indicated to me that for conscience sake, we're going to go all the way to auction. They just want to know what they're going to get. It's this family home has been in the family for so many years now. I think it's about 63 years. So uh, we're going to go to auction. Anyway, he turned up on the day. We had 44 registrations and the first opening bid was 700. The second bid was 900. And we smashed the all-time record for seats at a million dollars. <laughs> wow, that's a gr that's three, great. I know, over $300,000 in reserve. So that was one of the properties that was a catalyst for many other properties smashing the million-dollar mark and just doing exceptionally well. Channel 7 actually heard about it and ran a story. It was that property there that, uh, yes, that was um, used by the media and uh, everyone referred back to that property that, Wow, got an option, you know, over $300,000 over the, the asking price, which is amazing. My vendor stayed the course and I've absolutely wrapped, you know. So, uh, yeah, so it was great. And then I saw that happen. I broke six suburb records, getting the best price ever for a suburb, which is, yeah, quite outstanding. So, and I use those stories and I told those who are looking at selling vendors, potential sellers look this is what happens you know and the market's hot it's just a matter of understanding the process and getting the process you know and uh i showed them the video of what actually happened i've got that video there luckily i actually had some videographers there we videotaped it which was fantastic yeah so i went on a business and yeah things just absolutely escalated from there it's crazy mm. that's excellent actually i did want to talk to you a little bit about um, the way you run an auction campaign i know that you've previously picked up awards as a top principal auction marketer with the Ray White Network. What are some tips when it comes to running a successful auction campaign that you could share with other agents? Okay, well, you just got to understand the, the whole process. I like to dig around the, the background to show the vendors what could happen. I actually uh, like to just draw, you know, just a, a plan of the auction. So this is the, the auction itself. This is the reserve price. Let's say we use... Selkirk, as an example, we've got the reserve of $698,000. Uh, here in South Australia, if there is, if an offer comes in at, say, 730 or 40 or 50, we've got the right to change a 10% uh, higher than the actual advertised range or the background price. But we don't actually, at Ray White's, we don't advertise the price. Okay, so what we're allowed to do is just to give out data of all recent sales in the area. But what I do is I just create you know, this, this portrait of what the auction is going to look like. We've got a three-week marketing campaign. 
right? I've got a ladder and the ladder tells them, it helps them to see where the offers are going to come in. So the reserve price is 698, we're going to get offers and those offers could be anywhere from 600, 625, 630, 640, 650. But my job is to build the campaign and get as much interest as possible on that property. So, so that way it goes off on the day. So, and then I told them that what might happen on the first week, we might get someone that comes in and puts an offer in, like exactly what happened at 720. And I tell them, you're going to be tempted to take that. But it's in your best interest to allow me, the agents, to be able to market the property well, cast the net, and see exactly who's out there. Now, and also tell them, look, if someone comes in at, say, $800,000 and all the feedback level is around the 650, then you know, it's you know, 10, 15% away, you might want to take the offer. Entirely your choice, but you can. And the good news is that if you take an offer before auction, it still sells under auction conditions. It's cash and conditional, not subject to anything. So the auction favors the, um, the vendor. It gives them all the rights. They don't have to negotiate. It's 10%, 30 days, unless a variation is, is reached. So it gives you all the rights. You have all the power, all the authority. But I also tell them that it's in your best interest to actually stay the course and let's see what comes in over that three-week period. So we could get offers at 680, 700, 720. But the best way to actually find out what's going to happen is, you know, obviously find out exactly how many are going to come to the auction. I have a hot list. So I'll work out who's going to come to the auction. I'll work out exactly what their variations are, if there's any variations. So I think for anyone looking at running auction campaigns, it's important to to know how to run the program. Don't just put up a for sale sign or auction sign and think that buyers are going to turn up. You need to keep in touch. So I believe that uh, you know buyers normally come through twice. Sometimes I might come through three times. I want to bring family and friends uh, through. So buyers leave a trail. And with the apps that we use, we register the buyers and then I can see straight away if uh, they've come through a second time or a third time. I can see the history, where they've been, have they missed out on other properties. I ask those kinds of qualifying questions to find out, you know, how serious are you about buying in this particular area? Uh, have you gone to other auctions? Have you participated? Why have you missed out? What was your budget? And all the rest of it. So I like to get the profile of the buyer so I know who I'm dealing with. Am I dealing with developers that are looking for a project? Am I looking for you know, first-time buyers or someone that's relocating, coming from interstate that might have family in the area? So it's good to know the strength of the buyers, how many buyers you have on that particular property, what their budget might be, how much they want that property. So when I'm giving the data to the vendors, it gives the vendors confidence to stay the course and go all the way through to the end. I can say, look, I've got 15 registered buyers. They're interested for various reasons, but the home ticks all the boxes for them. We're going to have an amazing auction. Uh, and I know pretty well through the offers that come in pre-auction, exactly where they're sitting on that ladder. I know the ones that are in the low sixes, those are in the mid sixes and those that you know, might pay more than that. So the goal is to, to set the reserve so we can get as much as we can for the vendor. And if it falls short, so if it does fall short, let's say we ran the auction and we finished at 670, then having the reserve at 698 gives me then an auctioneer and an agent working in the best interest of the vendor, an opportunity to have another crack at it and to see if I can actually close at 698. So I will talk to the whoever's standing at auction and uh, say, look, I know you really want the property. 
this is the reserve price. Can you meet the reserve? That's the only time I actually disclose the reserve is if we fall short. And then I've got a second crack at trying to get that extra 20, 30, 40, 50 grand, whatever it might be. But I found that last year, I really didn't have to intervene much at all. Like whatever we set as a reserve, we, we smashed the reserve or we got exactly the reserve or we got way over the reserve, all right? But I think just drawing that simple, illustrating an auction, how it works, not that I'm the best drawer, but I can, you know, draw you know, <laughs> quite easily, you know, uh, what it looks like, you know, and I might put down on the first table, we've got 20 buys out of that, we might get, uh, sorry, 20 groups that come through, we might get four uh, buyers, on the second table, we might get another four buyers, and so on and so on. So they get excited and they actually jump on board and they can actually see it. So I like to, to visualize for them what it could look like. And uh, so if they are feeling uneasy or if they've had a bad auction in the past, I try to deal with all of that. So I ask them questions like, have you ever gone to auction before? You know, where have you been to an auction? And many times they have and it hasn't worked or they've been to a neighbor's auction and it hasn't worked. Uh, but I like to get them on board Tell them it's going to be fun. We're going to enjoy it. Let's do it together. Let's get the best price that we can, you know, for for you. And uh, we've had a lot of amazing success. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's really exciting, um, and to hear that there's been a lot of success, particularly with the auction method last year. I know Ray White are fans of of the auction method. You are an auctioneer yourself, but you choose to work with um, other auctioneers, including uh, John Morris, who of course we know is Ray White, South Australia's chief yes, auctioneer. Yes. He mentioned in an average year, South Australia might see 3 to 4% of stock being sold via auction. Last year at its peak, he said it was 16% and was averaging about 12%. I wanted to know, if, do you have any specific tips about working with an auctioneer? What's that relationship like between you as the selling agent and the auctioneer? Okay, well, I guess the, the auctioneer, you know, I always like to work with auctioneers that are good at their craft. Uh, the auctioneer is there to, to reap what you've sowed. Uh, the buyers are there, they turn up, they register. And uh, you want someone who's going to be a little bit entertaining, someone who just knows how to draw the, the, the buyers together and pit one against the other, of course. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, so you want that. So John's great, he, he knows what he's doing. And AJ Coleman, who I use, uh, they're, they're both very, very good. And I've got a third auctioneer, uh, Constantine Pappas, is great also. But it's very important to have a good relationship with the auctioneer. You know, I tell the auctioneer where the reserve is, and I just, what, what I normally say is, look, have some fun. Just have some fun. I've got 15 registrations. We're going to sell it. The reserve price is very realistic. So do your best, you know, and, uh, yeah, just have a bit of fun, you know, with, with the buyers and get it out there and let's get the competition happening. So that's, that's the way I approach it. Yeah, so I guess I know that, Auctioneers help some other agents that might not be confident to deal with the, the vendor and the buyer, you know, if you fall short of the reserve, whereas I do all my own negotiations myself. I feel that I've built the relationship with the, uh, the vendor and I've got the relationship with the buyer, so I like to be the one that's actually in the midst of negotiating that. But I know that John offers that service and so does AJ Coleman, uh, that if you fall short, they're able to step in and help the... Um, the option, the uh, the vendor out and the uh, the agent, you know. But um, yeah, I guess look, you want someone you, you can trust, someone who's not going to just because I've seen auctioneers in the past that go off and do their own thing. They might not even take a bid, but for me, I don't care where it starts; it's where it finishes that matters. Uh, but I had one uh, auctioneer that I haven't used ever again because he refused to take my instructions. 
we had a, a buyer who turned up and he started very low and uh, the auctioneer refused to take the offer, <laughs> refused to take it and it just became a bit of a farce and the property didn't sell, there was no bidding because the buyers were actually put off by what they saw. My vendor was uh, yeah, not, not happy at all. So you got to make sure, first of all, that the auctioneer is not going to do the right thing. They're going to listen to the agent. And uh, I have a game plan for every property. Every property is different. There are some properties you're going to get lots of buyers that you can have fun, but sometimes you have a property, you might only get one or two buyers. So in that situation, I like to take control from the start and I like to get the auctioneer to actually place a bid or to open up with a vendor bid or just look, I'm looking for a starting bid at $600,000. $600,000 is me. I'm looking for a six twenty. So we're pretty well halfway there. I just need to get one offer and then bang, I can close it with that. So it just depends on yeah, how many buyers you have. Whether you've got one, two or many, the strategies change. Uh, so it's good to work with a competent auctioneer that understands different strategies and they're willing to, to work with the agent. Excellent. Look, I wanted to talk about uh, you for a bit. Uh, let's look at your results that saw you win the Area Award for last year, 2021. Now, these results were from 2020. What was it like to receive that recognition? You know, obviously, you know, you receive the award and you know you're doing something right. Um, I get a lot of referrals. A lot of vendors who have used me will refer me to their friends and I guess... Uh, it's great dealing with people that you know that have, you've been referred to. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great feeling, of course, of a great achievement. Um, it wasn't the first year that I, I won that award, but I, for Ray won, I won six years in a row as a top principal when I've won all the auction awards. So I guess I've seen my business grow and just year on year, it's just growing and just getting bigger and bigger, selling more properties. Even this year, top auction marketer, I think about fourth internationally, John Morris told me, which I was amazed when I heard that I was fourth internationally for auctions. Uh, I was twice top sales professional volume uh, by number of sales in the whole Ray White network internationally. Yeah, it, just, just, it blows me away. I'm just on my job. You know? I don't, it's not that I'm chasing, I'm just on my job. I'm having fun. I'm building relationships and looking after people. And I think that's what counts. You look after people, they talk. They are your best advertising. You don't have to spend the money advertising when you've got um, those who have sold and have used our service and they're happy, they're raving about our service. We give them a fantastic experience. And so they, um, yeah, they're happy to refer to their friends with anyone that's uh, selling. I listed one when I was on Friday and I went out there, no competition. I just walked in and I said, look, you're here, Nick, because you sold for my mates. Um, uh, and my mate told me, don't even bother using anyone else, just talk to Nick. And I just went in and I just listed the property. So, yeah, so I guess being recognised for the hard work and, and all of that and it, it, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's a great, great honour. How do you go about establishing a reputation like that? What is your approach to customer service that, that has you esteemed as this sort of agent who goes above and beyond and is recommended to people? Because when I first started many years ago, I realized that there's a lot of chasing that goes on as you're all less prospecting as an agent. And, you know, I would get a couple of properties, I would sell them and then I'd be looking for more. And, uh, you know, I look back at my figures and, you know, one month you've got plenty, the next month you've got nothing, another month you've got, you know, commissions coming in and next month. And then I thought there has to be a way around this. And I thought, well, you know, I want to be the kind of agent that people are chasing me, wanting to give me their properties rather than me having to chase them for the properties. That's the biggest challenge for agents. 
you're always chasing. But I thought, well, how can I do that? Well, the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to give them exceptional service because I think it's all about we're in the service industry. So I'm going to be the best that I can be. I'm going to go the second mile. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can do. So if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to say I'm going to do something and I don't do it. So I think it's just giving an elite service. That's what I call elite service, the very best service, having a great team around me so I can actually do all the things that I say I'm going to do. Uh, I think that's really helped me. And, you know, I remember a number of occasions or there was one particular lady who, whose husband passed away in the midst of her getting the house ready for sale. I'd listed the agency and uh, she wasn't able to uh, get the house quite right and finish it because her husband was uh, died, had a brain tumour and um, there was a gate that needed to be finished. And um, I just said, look, I'll pay for that. She goes, really? And I said, absolutely, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do all the things that need to be done, finish off the landscape and that just so we can actually sell the property. And I guess people talk, you know, so you do the right thing. And I didn't do it for any other reason that I just, you know, saw what happened. And I really felt uh, for this lady losing a husband and I just wanted to help. So uh, the family, and uh, as a result of that, you know, we sold the property and she was just very thankful. And uh, then her kids, you know, said, look, you know, that was an amazing thing you did. So I've become their agent and I sold properties for them too. And, it just goes on and on. Right? Like I've walked into homes and there's a dear old lady there that wants to sell a house, but the garden's sort of mess. She's got no money. This particular house actually, I just it just came to my mind. The ceiling was about to collapse on the head too. I'm sitting at the table and I'm thinking it's not even safe to even be sitting here. But it was on the market with another agent. The agent took photos and put it on there, and it looked absolutely t- terrible. Right? So I went in there and said, "Look, let's do this properly. I'm going to get my traders in here. We're going to fix up the ceiling. We're going to do the gardens. We're going to." freshen it up, declutter it, do all of that, and we're going to get to the market. We did. We got a really good sale price for her. But not only that, she, her family were going to Bali for holiday. She had no money. And uh, she said, look, Nick, the settlement, by well, the time the settlement comes around, I'm going to miss going to this trip with my family. So I said, look, what is it going to cost? You got a budget of about $5,000. I said, done. I'll give you $5,000 out of my pocket, and I'll just take it out later. You know, So just to be flexible. Being human, understanding what people's needs are and trying to meet those needs. I guess people buy you before, you know, you get the listing. They need to be happy with who you are, with the way you speak, the way you dress, the way you act, what you present. Uh, They buy you before anything else, right? We we, we are marketing ourselves every day, right? So I think um, just being real, listening, uh, asking good questions, you know, finding out you know, what is your need, why are you selling? And that's what I did. Before I came here, there was a couple, you know, a, a grandmother and her niece, yeah, her niece, right? But, you know, just went in there and I could see that, you know, they had a great need and I, I can't actually get into it private, of course, but I could just see that there was some issues there. But I just sat there in the lounge, said, okay, how can I help? Gave them the very best advice. And they just felt very reassured I wasn't just there just to sign them up, you know, I'm going to get you the best price to sign here. I said, no, no, you don't sign anything. There's lots of things you need to actually do before you sign. Otherwise, you might end up selling your property, but you're never, you're not going to get back in the, the market because of their personal issues. But they said, thank you so much for the way you've spoken to us and the way you took the time to find out what our needs are. The other agent just came in here, boom, boom, I can get your buyers. I've got buyers in my books and all the rest of it. But they said, just your approach is just different, you know, and I think, 
for me, I go in there and I sit down and it's not about me. I don't even tell them about my awards or anything. You know? I don't like talking about that. I like to talk about, okay, I'm here, but why am I here? What is your story? What is your situation? How can I best help you? And take it from that approach. And it's working really well. I get a lot of business. Because people say, no, you're really down to earth. You're really, you're real. You care. And uh, we, we love that, you know. So, uh, yeah, look, you are who you are, I guess. And if people meet you and like you, they're going to use you. That's why, you know, I've grown my business. And I do what I can, you know, to, to help them out. Do you still do prospecting as well? Do you still prospect each day? or? Well, my prospecting is my pipeline. Like I've got hundreds of appraisals that I've done. I've got, a, I don't know, four or 500 properties that I've, say, appraised that haven't gone to the market yet. So I just keep in touch. So I do that. So my prospecting is just keeping in touch with my pipeline, uh, which is past appraisals. You know, so I'll just give them a call. Hey, Johnny, you know, happy new year. I saw you in September last year. You told me you're building a fence and then you're ready for the market. How's it looking this year? When do you think you'll be on the market? Nick, you know, I reckon by March this year, give me a call. So that's my prospecting, okay? Uh, so I'll do that. And also my anniversary calls. So just ring up, how are you going? I'm sure you've settled in now. You know, what are your thoughts, your plans? Are you going to stay in the area? You know, your property's grown by 20% this year. So you plan it was a good move moving in the area for 20% growth. And I'll say, yeah, no, that's fantastic, really good. And I might get some cues, you know, like someone might say, actually, you know what, Nick, work situation has changed. We're actually thinking about uh, selling when you're available. So many properties last year I listed because I actually called at the right time. I did an anniversary call. It was four years on. And they said to me, actually, you know what, we've just finished building a new house, Nick. We're going to be selling. So well, you rang right at the right time. They actually forgot about it, which is amazing. You know? So, yeah. But I went there and I listened straight away on the spot. So that's what I do. But also, I'm a great believer in letting people know if I list a property down the street, then I like I still like doing the old-fashioned letterbox drops. So I do that. We do the social media also, but I just like to, to do a, um, a letterbox drop with an invitation to the first open inspection. Right? So we do that. And I've also got someone that will just call it off the air and say, hey, exciting news, your neighbor's probably going to the market. Uh, come along to the first open. We'll get to see when it goes to auction three weeks what it's going to bring in. And that'll be a good indicator for you to know where you, where you sit if you want to get uh, you know, us to come in and have a look at it and give you a price and we'll do that for you. So we've got a lot of business that way too. You know? so, uh, yeah, so there's lots of things we can do to prospect, but that's what I do. Yep. So what does the structure of your day look like? Are you a 5 a.m. club or are you up early in the morning and do you have set time slots for when you're doing certain activities? How does it look? Yeah, for myself, look, my pipeline, so I come into the office, like to greet my team first and uh, early morning riser. But when I come in, so around 8.30, 9 o'clock, I hit my pipeline. So that's the first thing that I do. I don't like having early appointments, like appraisals too early in the morning, uh, even though I do dawn. Because you can never have an ideal day. I mean, you've got your plan. My plan is to make my important calls, whether it's 20 calls or 30 calls a day, that's plenty. Negotiating on properties, talking to vendors. I'm also yeah, preparing, I don't prepare the appraisals, but I've got someone else at my PA that does that. But, uh, but I book in my appraisals. Yeah, so I guess 
Look, I'm enjoying what I what I do. You know, it's very I'm, I'm very methodical and systemized the the way I do things. But uh, yeah, just making my important calls early in the morning, so that way, you know, by ten to eleven o'clock, I've got everything done, and then I've got my appointments after that, and uh, just here for the team. Yeah. I did want to ask about your team because, of course, you're a selling principal. So, how do you balance your own sales and also look after your team? I've got a PA and I've got an EA. All right. So, um, yes, I've got uh, two, which is great. And then I've got a sales associate. But then I've also got other team members here. So, I guess, yeah, look, I manage it quite well. I've got great capacity and I do the things that are important. I don't like having long meetings because that's a waste of time. I'm a very much a point and purpose kind of person. There has to be a point and a purpose to your conversation. There has to be a point and purpose to my meeting. So, um, yes, I get things done yeah, pretty quickly. I'll just walk into probably management team. How are you going? Everything good? Do I need to know anything? Yep, great. Fantastic. You know what I mean? So, yeah, with admin team, just want to make sure that everyone's doing their thing and, yeah, enjoying doing what they're doing. I'm more relational, but also my meetings, I just don't have long lunches and stuff like that. I'm very disciplined with my time. I do the things that I need to do. I've got my whole week marked out, but there's a, a couple of gaps there for the unexpected that might come up. Yeah, so I don't know. Look, I've managed it quite quite well, actually. So I've got the right people doing the right jobs. I've got uh, my EA who can check my emails and get back to people and do things. So I always check my emails all the time, and then there might be someone that wants a, an appraisal, so I'll just get uh, my PA or my to prepare that for me so I don't have to worry about that side of it. Yeah, so so I guess I do the things that I need to do, which is negotiating, uh, talking to people, and um, yeah, just keeping in touch with my, my vendors, managing the vendors, and uh, yeah, all of that. In all your time in real estate, um, how have you managed to achieve the work-life balance? What are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? Uh, you got to have some non-negotiables, I think. Like for me, I like to do as many appraisals like from 12 o'clock onwards to about 5, 6 o'clock, but I don't like working late you know, and I rarely work late. Like tonight, I've got two open inspections. I'm taking the two properties auction next week. So I've got a 5 to 5.30 and then a quarter to 6 to quarter past 6 and that's it. I'll be home by 6.30. So all the properties that I list, most of them are pretty close to home. And so I manage my time by not having to go too far. If I list a property that's too far, I'll let them know there's going to be a second agent that's going to be running the, the opens. I'll oversee everything. Uh, I don't mind if it's like a, something exciting, you know, like I sold the Clarendon Inn, which was a $3.8 million property. It was exciting. I didn't mind that. Again, I didn't have to open that up on the weekends. It was on a Monday, you know, at 2 o'clock. So, you know, even commercial properties that I do, you, you just work it in, I guess. But... Uh, yeah, but I do like to list properties close in my farm area or in my uh, local patch. I just manage it. I manage it, non-negotiables. Yeah, I don't take appointments. If they're too late, if they if it's 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, I'll give it to one of the other agents. I won't worry about it. So for me, yeah, I want to be home. Yeah, I mean, I used to. When I started the business, you're going to just take everything and you go everywhere. But then as you get older, wiser, you realize that, you know, you got to just, yeah, streamline everything. You can't be everything to all men, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, just got to try to work it in. And I look at options like, okay, look, I can't do 7 o'clock Monday night, but what other day are you available in the day? You know, do you have um, a day off during the week? Otherwise, Saturday morning, early, uh, or even 
7.30 out o'clock in the morning. So what time do you go to work? I'll come and see you in the morning. Yeah, so I'd rather do that rather than you know, lose a whole night at someone else's house. Yeah, just don't do that. And I think with the way, yeah, the way things are now, too, we use DocuSign and everything else. We're saving a lot of time. We don't have to run around getting offers, you know, yeah, on contracts. We can just get all the information, send everything through. It's just a lot simpler, a lot easier. Yeah. So I use There's my certainly online. some efficiency to be had using technology, which is, which is yeah, really absolutely. great for a lot of agencies. I'd yeah. like to, I know you, you had incredible volume back in 2020. Last year, you increased that volume. What are your goals for, the, for 2022, which we just started? Last week, I was the first one to make chairman elite. So I've just sold 125.6 homes for the last six months, right? which is pretty good. So I've made chairman elite. Uh, look, I'm hoping that you know, I might finish on about 200 homes this financial year. Uh, that'll be great. But what I want to do actually is I'm training a young team now. So I want to actually pull back from doing so many and uh, allow the young ones to, to do it. So I'm just yeah, spending more time training the team. I've just taken on two other agents yesterday. Yeah, so I was telling my wife, you know what, I've done it. I've done it for so many years now being an elite agent, selling hundreds of properties. But for me, what really excites me now is actually seeing the young ones go out there, get the listings with my help. Uh, and guidance. Yeah, so I'm building a team so uh, I can step back a little bit. You know, I want to do you know, the exciting homes and the commercial properties. I want to sort of like get in that direction, but give the team you know, more opportunities. So that's what I'm doing at the moment, just transitioning to do that. So for this year, I want to you know, do as many as I can, but then after that, I'm going to pull back intentionally just to let the team do it. Hmm. Congratulations on the Chairman's Elite status. That's great news. And that sounds like a brilliant yeah. plan for the, for the year ahead and very exciting for you after quite a number of years in the industry. Nick, yes. I'm going to let you go shortly. Uh, so I wanted to ask you the question that we like to ask all our guests at the end of the show, which is if you had one tip or key piece of advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with today, what would it be? One tip. I would say, look, be the best you can be. Do the best. Do do the best you can. You know, for your vendors, work in their best interests. Give a hundred percent. One of the things that I tell everybody, and this is this is it. Look, I can train somebody. I can give them skills. I can help them. I've got the experience. I've sold over one half thousand properties, so I've got lots of experience. But there's one thing that I cannot bring to the table, and that is hunger. I cannot bring hunger to you. So if you want to get in the industry and you want to be great at your game, you got to bring hunger. You got to bring that to the table and if you bring that then i can train you and i can teach you right but you've got to ask yourself and i had a conversation with someone the other day do you really want to be this business are you hungry do you want to be great do you want to do great things you know for your your vendors and so i guess be the best you can be the best you can uh, be single-minded be great do great things and the results will come so. Nick Saras, that is great advice. Thank you so much for joining us on the Elevate podcast today. And again, thank you, Nick Saras, for your time. My pleasure. Thanks, Kaz. You take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.